you really want to go hiking, a little hiking for fun? Yeah. In fucking Sweden? Yeah, I do. I don't know, I just want to test myself a little, you know, a challenge. Do you know what would be a challenge is getting dumb on the side of a mountain? There is a book, uh, just a shame, you know, it's a shame, it's a shame what he's, what he's become. Yeah. Yeah, big shame, yeah. Big successful businessman with a beautiful wife and children. Yeah, no, it's an... Give it to him. Okay. Okay, it's okay. Don't just stand there. Do it. Give me your f***ing wallet. What else you got? What else you got? <gasps> just take his watch. Give me the f***ing watch. Try, fella. No problem. Here. Do it. Okay. And the ring. No. It's my wedding ring. We don't give a f***. Just give me the f***. No, look, you, you've done enough. It, just leave. Take it off, off him! Come on. Listen, you take that ring off, or I'll f you up. Look, I'm not. Oh, oh. oh mate, what are you doing? I told you. What are you doing? It's all right. It's all right. Shut up. Stop. 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 podcast exploring faith and fear what scares us and what saves us this is the fear of god hello and welcome back to your favorite podcast my favorite podcast everybody's favorite podcast at the intersection of faith and fear where every week we discuss what scares us in order to find what saves us this is the fear of god podcast speaking to you right now is one of your hosts nathan rouse and typically with me is fellow co-host reed like you guys reed was here but he needed to run get his list of ideas for our next guys weekend as long as hiking isn't on there i am good in the meantime Allow me to welcome you listeners back this time to our last entry in our last series of the year. This has been a collection of otherwise unconnected films we're calling Fogawieners in honor of the Fogaween attendees who submitted them. Today's submitted by Mr. Jacob Sane. Join Patreon and you too can attend Fogaween next year and perhaps submit your own Fogawiener for discussion. Last week, we heard from the Quarterly Queens as they discussed 2020's Relic. 
For this week's final Fogga Wiener, we are lacing up our boots, loading up our backpacks, and hitting the trails as we discuss David Bruckner's celebration of the old great outdoors, 2018's The Ritual. But before we refresh our rations at the bodega, permit me to remind you listeners that here at The Fear of God, we explore. We don't explain, except for right now, when I explain that you can find every fog and fear of God thing imaginable at thefearofgodpodcast.com, things such as how to support us on Patreon, as well as essays, team bios, episode archives, merchandise, <laughs> lucky. Well, Reed, well, hello. Here. How are you? You got your uh, your I your am. your your fish and chips, your crisps. You got your your pint, no. your lager. Yeah, you oh, got all. Ooh. Right. Uh, <laughs> oh, we got all the things, Pointo, and oh. we are ready to hit the road, that's, hit the trails. Right. We're gonna chap. We're gonna take a shortcut, and uh, I think I'm slipping into Australian instead of uh, you did. A I bit did. There. You know what? Yeah, you me, did. And, me and me accents. You know, there's been a lot of there's been a lot of Downton Abbey in our home lately, and so uh, you know, I've been really picking up once more on the old. Uh, accents uh and to be fair to downton abbey in this very moment one mr uh <laughs> was not prepared to say it that quickly thomas but, barrow. um mr barrow mm-hmm. uh right but i thought i'd written his name down i did not i'll look it up in the meantime mr barrow is in the ritual <laughs> he which is, is really funny because when i first saw the ritual i don't know that i picked up on that i don't know if i had seen downton abbey at that point so, so maybe, Surely maybe, you had. but I don't know. I don't remember when I saw the ritual is the thing is like, and I don't know because I didn't well, watch. It came out in 2018. Oh yeah. I'd seen Downton and Abbey. Thus, yeah, Downton yeah. Abbey would have already been consumed by you, sir. Like fair, a crisp. Fair. Yeah. Like a crisp. Or a crumpet. Did you see a new era? I did not. Oh, I liked it quite a bit. I think. Did you? I think I enjoyed it more than the first Downton Abbey movie. Personally speaking. Yeah, it is it is in fact the only Downton installment I have not watched currently. Mm. I did text you the other night as my wife and fourteen year old who are now traipsing their way through the grounds of Downton mm. uh got to the <laughs> signature episode where one particularly signature character decides to shuffle off this mortal coil. It was, it's painful. It was quite a thing watching your teenager from the other room as she goes from sheer exultance at a particular story point to abject horror and trauma just a few seconds later it's quite a thing i will abandon this accent (laughs) i think (laughs) yes and i think uh we shall uh commit forthwith to not do any more accents um well, I will not commit to that. But. <laughs> a bridge too far. A bridge too far. Yes. <laughs> um, yes, Reed, indeed. So this is um, this is our final fog of wiener. This is our final yeah standard of episode year. of the year. That's what crazy in the world. Oh. It is crazy. Uh, another year in the books, friend. Yeah, um, indeed. Next week, this is really well. There's two bits of business. Number one. <laughs> Yes. What <laughs> um, <laughs> Say no more. Wink, wink. Not sure. <laughs> As I was saying, number one on the business list is um. It's, it's going to be difficult. Um. <coughs> vote for 2022's retrospective series. By the time this airs, odds are fairly decent that that poll that poll will be available to begin voting on what is going to be covered in february as we do every year yes when we do our sort of retrospective look back series um 
Mm-hmm. Uh, spoiler alert, if you spend five bucks right now to become a patron, you can listen to the forthcoming Patreon segment about our top ten lists. Um, top so that ten happens. favorites? So that's, what? That is business point number one. Business point number B is read. Read. Nathan. So here's what's fun. I know. Who's fun? It all ends well. I, it all ends well. <laughs> There's, like no every good story, There's no more every stress good now. Every good story does. Mm-hmm. Uh, but listeners don't know that yet. And so they're invited. <laughs> this is our pre-Christmas episode. It's about to be Christmas. A week from now, we are releasing our 300th. That's three zero zero. That's bizarre. That's bananas. Do you know it took six years to get to 300 episodes? You know what that means if we got to 3,000 episodes? That's 60 years. (laughs) (laughs) You just, we're still going to be podcasting at at like 80 years old. We'll be a hundred at that point. Cause that's 60. I was going to say, what are you talking about? 60 years old or whatever it is. You said, um, yeah, we'll be a hundred years old. I can't remember a damn thing now. You know, (laughs) (laughs) you'll be in the middle of the sentence. We're not, uh, what we what, what, Did we you? ever cover that movie? Uh, well, by that seven? point, that by, by that point, we will have covered everything. The answer will be yes. Well, no, because by that point, they will be making meta movies. It will be oh. far past VR. We will live. I don't know that I want that reality, but nonetheless, yeah, that's scary. It. Um, <laughs> next week is the 300th episode. We are covering that landmark bit of cinema that just made it on Sight and Sounds top 100 movies of oh. all time. Um, it has entered the canon. I missed uh, it, that. It's squeaked right in at number 100. <laughs> Everybody was like, well, this is a choice. Mm. <laughs> like, oh my. Suddenly there's a reassessment. <laughs> I don't know that it's, uh, you know, misogynistic at all. Um, That's uh, that is 2012's The Victim. Mm-hmm. Starring Mr. Michael Bean and other people and mm-hmm. story by Reed Lackey. And oh, indeed. Uh, there's a whole just uh, listeners should check that episode out because in the back to the future we live in, uh, that is podcasting. <laughs> we've already recorded that conversation and you know what? I know it's awesome and it goes off swimmingly it's and fun. it's not that awkward talking <laughs> to six people that you call friend. But when you talk about sexually explicit material, it really pushes the boundaries of pushes the boundaries. what friendship will endure, even via Zoom. Um, <laughs> nonetheless. A bunch, bunch of muting and turning off video. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Nathan's making another joke, isn't he? <laughs> I need to refresh my um, So, bank. yes, stay tuned. Watch The Victim if you want to. Either way, come back and listen to the 300th yes. episode. We've yes. all earned it. Um, that is the business, Reed. That's the business. Is I don't have any more business. My business Whatever is the done first thing was, I said. Oh, vote. <laughs> vote then, on the poll. <laughs> Go then, go dance with that pole. Pole dance. No, through- <laughs> no, that's the victim. <laughs> You're getting your business mixed up. You say, it's yeah. business. <laughs> oh, ow. <laughs> All the beans. Oh. Um, you know what, Reed? I want to tease like we never do uh, our patron segment. Because okay. our patron segment, Reed, which crazy talk has also already been recorded. What it's, it's in the amazing. hell? <laughs> this is amazing. We're actually, you know what? Right now, our conversation about the ritual has already been recorded. We're just literally, we're just, we're just, we're just literally tagging in to talk to each other. That's yeah. it. Hey, That's buddy. All. Hey. That was a great chat about the ritual. 
<laughs> your particular insight about you know bowing down to the antler god that was something else yeah, I, um nonetheless come up this with patron segment that has in fact already been recorded is going to be the top 10 horror films from myself and yourself yeah with maybe a little surprises yeah. in there maybe some impressive overlap because me and you read me and you we you know we simpatico yeah indeed indeed no watch please check mouth. <laughs> it's impossible for me to watch my mouth um i will also i will co-sign uh, listeners, there's, this is the time of year when people make big favorite lists. These are our top 10 favorite horror films. Uniquely, not Fear of God top 10 favorite horror films. That's coming after the after all of you lovely people vote on that poll. Yeah, list. this is personal. This is my favorites and Nathan's favorites. Your poll humor makes me think of an old Chris Rock joke about a father's only, only uh, directive in life is to keep his daughter off the poll. <laughs> Low expectations, <laughs> Scrabble. <laughs> Patron mobile. <laughs> uh, and about this movie, Riri. Indeed, the ritual. The ritual. So, first um, of all, what if wouldn't it be hysterical if we just blaze through about five minutes? <laughs> <was> like, okay, <laughs> poor, peace out. <laughs> poor Jacob would be like, okay, guys. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It would not be a slight to Jacob. It'd just be no, like, no, funny. of course, just be like, and so that was the ritual. Um, so yes, a little bit of love to Jacob Sane, uh, who has curated many things for us over the years. Had many, many fun conversations. And the he, Witcher, Witcher, yeah. oh. put a penny in your Witcher. You know, <laughs> yes, we would not have had. Uh, smells like dingleberries without Jacob saying, and is there, <laughs> he wants a different legacy. He, he wants, <laughs> <laughs> I don't, that's a hell of a legacy. <laughs> like who would want more? You're like, in a fur of and, I'm, I'm and done. dingleberries. I'm done. You know? <laughs> <laughs> what was this? Strago whatever. You're like, I'm getting hungry. <laughs> oh, Strago. No, no. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Uh-uh. So great. That's so too much. Great. That's a but, wild show. It's ending or something. No, no. A no, Hemsworth they're is taking it, which means it might as well end. Wow. Do not oh. take Henry Cavill out of anything. It won't okay? work. It won't work Look without Cavill. Man. Yeah. It won't work without Cavill. Yeah. Poor guy. Just let him be Superman for once. Yeah. I said it for once. Let the man be Superman. Oh, okay. Good Lord. Yeah. So Sorry. No, that's okay. So, Jacob, <laughs> we are here to talk about the film The Ritual. Uh, thank you so mm-hmm. much. I will say beforehand, I'll kind of lead the charge here. I will say beforehand, mm. I saw Don't the film. Don't get too far ahead. Don't get too far ahead. My knee is hurting. Yeah, yeah I'm going to leave you in the dust and be like, keep up. Um, no, I saw this film pretty close to when it dropped on Netflix. I don't know if it was a Netflix original, but I do know that Netflix yes. was the first place that I encountered it. So, okay, so it was a Netflix original. But I saw it pretty close to when it was, and I loved it. I thought I thought it was an excellent film. Spo- it's not a spoiler. We're in the conversation. Um, I was surprised to find that while I am still very fond of it and very fond of many things about it, my feelings have tempered on it. And I and I know why. Um, I think the energy around the first time watching it, I think in thinking through preparing for this conversation, I was ready for, you know, like, okay, why have I turned a little bit on this film? I, to say I've turned on it is is dramatic. I have. It, it's not as if I loved it and now I despise it. 
Um, but I've softened quite a bit to my enthusiasm with it, and I and I think I understand why. But um, but we'll get into more specifics a little bit later. Did you also see it before this conversation? I did also see. I it think before you did. This conversation. Yeah. What? You love. It's like the the old saying: "You can lead a horse to water." Reed, he's like, "I will lead the horse to water, and then I will drink on its behalf." Like, let me effing drink. Like, no, Reed. Like, no, let, no, 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 right. no, 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 no. Nay. I led you here. Nay. I led you here to watch me drink. I know we hoofed it over here, but you know, <laughs> you got saddle burn. Okay, you just stand, you just stand right over there. Damn, Reed's like, I think I remember you liking this. Did you like this? You liked it, right? Like, damn, Reed, let me answer your question. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, but you saw it. But you answered it for me. So, yeah. <laughs> so what is the friggin' point? Um, yes. No. Tell me, tell me your history with the ritual. Ah. Um, the movie? Oh, yes, the ritual. Um, <laughs> yes. So, yes, I had seen it, uh, presumably in some version of proximity. I think, like another movie I recently imbibed, uh, I think the ritual hit my radar. So, I reference this podcast a lot, not our podcast. I'm always referencing that podcast, but the Watch podcast, um, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. And on it, one <laughs> of the hosts, Chris Ryan, um, and in fact, Andy Greenwald and Chris Ryan are both the hosts. Andy Greenwald's a huge Bluey fan. He co-wrote or had a hand in shepherding, not co-wrote, uh, show ran, uh, Briar Patch, which I didn't watch, but it was Ros- Rosario Briar Dawson's Patch. show. Nonetheless. Oh, okay. So ba- both pretty reputable dudes in their own right, but Chris Ryan's the horror head of the two of them. And I'm pretty sure that's how I heard of the ritual originally as he had watched it and referenced it. And so I was intrigued. Got it. Okay. So I watched it, you know, within the last couple of years, um, liked it. Um, and then Jacob reoffering it for this was the second time viewing it. Um, mm. here's, what's kind of interesting about the ritual. I actually think, and it's, I actually would say this as compliment, like the, it's parts are, I think a little stronger than it's whole. Like, um, I don't, I would agree. I'd, I didn't ask. Wow. <laughs> like, no, no, no. I'm drinking now. Okay. Right, right. I'm yeah, drinking yeah, the water. Please. Like, no, no, no. Let's stay out of my trough. Hydrate. <laughs> um, uh, I think I might have said that the first time, but I, we didn't have a conversation about it. So I didn't have to formalize my mm. thoughts in that way, but there are aspects of it that I deeply love. I mean, it is beautiful. It is a beautiful movie to watch. Like visually the location shooting is incredible. Um, very impressive. Um, I think the acting's great. I think the story is great. There's just something kind of in the alchemy of all of it together that doesn't quite push it over into kind of greatness, if you will, or love, if you will. Um, we'll get to, you know, kind of some of those finer points, but yeah, I'm with you to me forecasting a bit. This would be a recommend. It would not be a, like, you gotta kind of thing, (laughs) unless you just are watching the Downton Abbey extended universe and, Need to watch all of Mr. Barrow's output. Um, <laughs> you okay? You got anything else? Well, am I permitted to talk? You're done. Oh, wait. <laughs> okay. Oh, I'm, I'm teasing, of course. No, you I have would anything agree. else you do, right? I do. That was a joke. You're just answering the question I asked. No. It, yeah. 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 No, I get it. I get it. <laughs> People are like, Everybody. what is wrong with Reed and Nathan right now? <laughs> it's just because we just hung out with Nothing's some buddies wrong. and you're going to hear about it next week. And so we're a little high on our own you know, supply right yeah. now. Um, Absolutely. Oh, high on our own supply. That's like it's a different conversation. Like the victim yeah. people, the girls and the victim. <laughs> um, 
so um yes i we're not there yet or at least don't have to be there yet okay i think i know why i think i know what the disconnect is okay or at least you do at that least right? i figured it do out you want to do myself. that right first um we can we can do that at right so that we can get some yeah. of the more didactic things out of the way and then we just we Let's just dive it. into it yep yep that's fine let me guess this is the part of the show where we discuss things that aren't just wrong but might be said that ain't right I'm looking. Uh, now it's time for the part of the show where we discuss things of this film that might of which be said not only are they wrong, but... That ain't right. That <laughs> ain't right. That ain't right. That ain't right. That ain't right. That ain't right. Nothing right about it. No, that ain't right. No, that ain't right. No, that ain't right. That ain't right. It sure is still ain't right. It sure is still ain't right. That sure as hell ain't right. Oh, glory. All right, Reed. So that ain't right for the ritual. It should be said the ritual, very straightforward uh, narrative structure here. Uh, Some buddies. Oh, indeed. Endeavor to resume their ongoing annual sort of pilgrimage to a thing, be it. Las Vegas or, you know, some other grand metropolitan area this year. One of them posits the notion of going on this big hike through this particularly significant uh, region. And as they're all sort of deciding whether to do that, one of them veers into a bodega of sorts. And yeah, one follows shortly after. Uh party member number one gets accosted by some some burglars robbers violent folk who are holding up the bodega uh buddy number two hides uh and in so doing buddy number one is is murdered by these people and yeah so the thematic element of the film is the sort of shame guilt survivor's guilt that buddy number two uh carries forth and in fact that character's name is Luke. I'll quit referring to them so generically. So Luke Mm. witnesses their friend's death. Um, We flash forward six months to them on this hike, kind of in honor of the the loss of this friend. Um, Mm. Things go sideways. uh, Temperatures rise. um, You know, conflict happens. Meanwhile, they kind of wander into things over their pay grade. And that's, that's kind of the sum of the ritual. So astute assessment there. Thank you. Um, Reed, tell me that ain't right Nathan. for you okay. for the ritual. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with my number one. And that is so they spend the night in this, you know, home that they've wandered into in the middle of the woods. Yeah, that's not scary at all. Random house in the middle of the woods, abandoned. Let's stay here. This is great. This'll this'll go swimmingly. Um but when they wake up, each of them have, and we don't have to go into all these things, each of them have a particular fright, fear, unnerving Nightmare. sensibility uh, that, yes, that that when they wake up, there's a there's problems. But the one that ain't right, Mr. Rouse, is when after the three of them, after Dom, Luke, and Hutch have all sort of collected themselves mm-hmm. and they're back to their senses, they walk upstairs and they see old Phil oh. 
kneeling down, down to the yeah, he's bowing down to the attic wicker man, and that ain't and right. he ain't got no clothes right. on. Reed. I'm telling you, everything about that, everything about that whole it's, thing, the, the the wicker man statue, yeah. the fact that Phil is bowing down to it, his distress when he comes to his senses at what is happening to him, that whole thing ain't well, right. And that's, I, I, ain't and right. I'm not inviting this right now. I am curious ultimately to hear what you feel is the slight disconnect between the sum and the whole, but or the parts and the sum, but one thing that I think really succeeds in this movie is the dynamic of these guys. Like you, the, the dread is real and mm-hmm. And I think part of that is the the naturalism, the cinematography. Like you believe these people are really on this journey. They're really in these these locales and mm-hmm. have really had this incredibly haunting, harrowing, sinister experience. And it'll be at least a touch point in my themes. But Phil's ongoing trauma from how he is discovered, how he discovers himself from mm-hmm. that sequence is, is pretty powerful and, and haunting. I agree. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How about for I, you? I would say that nightmare su- sequence is pretty top of the list. Um, I think, well, okay. Yep. Here's an easy one. There's a lot of little, mm-hmm. there's a lot of little scenes though. They're all r- quite effective. I think probably second to the nightmare sequence is honestly the loss of the friend at the top. It is, it is a yeah. pretty yeah. devastating sequence. And you've just met these characters. Like it is mm-hmm. troubling. It's haunting. You are um, empathetic for and mad at Luke. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I don't think I referenced this next week, so I'll invoke it here a little bit just as a comp. I just watched and it'll probably come up a couple more times because it's, it it's a film that hits like sits like a stone in your belly. Uh, I I don't actively recommend it. If someone has watched it, I'm curious feedback. But I watched Speak No Evil, and that this bodega scene is a microcosm of what Speak No Evil kind of is about. Is that erosion of okay. of will to write. Like you watch Luke and there's a choice that gets made by default yeah, for Mm -hmm. self-preservation to save face, whatever. Speaking of evil is a lot about save face. Like these choices get made along the way. That's all about saving face that compile and Mm -hmm. accumulate into terror. Um, But that's what I'm thinking of right now is right now is watching Luke out of self-preservation, make a choice that you even understand and and empathize with, but is a devastatingly wrong choice you know would he would he have been slain in the same pro in the process maybe i don't i don't know the movie isn't as interested in that as it is his sort of survivors survivors guilt and how that ripple effect takes hold right but one but in tandem with that tied and tethered to that scene is when other compatriot don halfway through the movie and Luke finally start having it out verbally. And Don says to him, not a drop of blood on you. Like Mm -hmm. it's finally coming up like blame, you know, uh, coward accusations of cowardice, that kind of thing. So, so anyway, long, long winded way of getting to my, that ain't right. If it's, if, if nightmare sequence is number one, right behind it is just the inciting incident of the film, which is the slaying of their friend. 
like that. Like, I don't know if you found it this way in your initial watch and, or the subsequent one to me, that was heavy and harrowing and, and alarming oh, and jarring. Profoundly. Devastating. Yeah. Oh, uh, profoundly. So I'm, I'm holding back because that, that is directly rooted to. So when we come out of this segment, I'll come right back to that. And it's directly rooted to some of my thoughts, my downturn, my everything, but I, I hmm. co-sign your assessment of like, yeah, the way that their friend keeps looking back at Luke, looking oh, back in Luke's direction. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really dreadful. It's really dreadful. And, uh, yeah, it's all of the, all of the words it's harrowing. It's devastating, gut wrenching. Uh, yeah, it's, it's profoundly heavy. What might um, be, do you have any sort of other cursory ones that you really want to name check? Well, I'm going to lump a bunch of different visual representations into one. And that's just the, the hanging of bodies in Oof. trees. Ugh. Um, yeah. In all the different, well, there's, there's an animal at one point. The, there's the of course deer. Hutch. Yeah. Yeah. There's the deer. There's of course Hutch. There's all of these other corpses. Dom gets that treatment. Like it's just, yeah. Well, yeah. It's funny you mention that. Cause I think as my sort of, if if the heaviest one is bodega sequence the more like traditional horror film version uh but is still very much of that ain't right is is hutch who yes mr barrow and downton um robert james collier in the real um his the taking of him in the night and mm. the performance mm. of the the screams and and shrieks it's it's terrible they're visceral yeah. yeah they're so visceral um, um yeah uh no no i mean uh i i, I don't want to get because uh we may move on to other things where it may not be highlighted as such uh don't mean to like backpedal to that ain't rights in a row but the creature design is great it is great it it ain't right but it's great when we first see that really sort of just arresting shot uh, when Dom comes out of his little dream state, thinks he's talking to Gail, and then suddenly like is staring into the oh, face yeah. of this thing. With the people hands, and, but not oh people. my gosh, right. And then from there, there are several sequences where you get a much better, really, eventually a really good look. At There's this an thing. incredible it's, shot when Luke is on the per- outskirts of the little yes, village. I know exactly what you're talking about by the fire mm-hmm. and the 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 outline and profile of the beast. That's incredible shot. Wild. Um, It's wild. Yeah. uh, My last, that ain't right. Uh, I've got a list of them, but the last one I feel is really worth truly mentioning. And then I'm, I'm done. If you are is read is the worship ceremony of the corpses. I mean, yeah. How about that? How about that? Up. Because he lives (laughs) to turn up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, so there's a sequence where Luke has been Luke and Dom have been taken. Dom, I, I think at that point is maybe even dead, but Luke is trying to escape this, the hut of the worshipers of this beast. Right. And the sound design is incredible in this movie. That's what I'm saying. Almost everything really works except maybe everything, uh, at least in tying itself together. Um, sure. Luke wanders past this door and there's the sounds of chanting behind it. Um, this sort of ritualistic chanting that's coming within, 
Um, he opens the door. Read. This was the brilliance of that <laughs> moment. He opens the door and the chanting stops. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. I do. Like that I is do. that alone could be a that ain't right. Yeah. But Ooh. as Ooh, he Ooh. delves into this room, there are these just desiccated, effectively corpses. I my interpretation is because a character does say say to him they're given unnaturally long life. Like to me, these are still quote unquote living people, just aged well, beyond you know, function. Th- that's what, I, that's what I couldn't grasp. And to be honest, I think there was a psychological like break because I For you? don't. <laughs> yeah. Cause I was sitting, I was like, no, I can't fathom like, <laughs> because, <laughs> because I don't know if that's intended to be that they are merely in sustained animation, lifeless, but undead, or if they are intended as you described to be like, no, they just, are hundreds of years old, possibly thousands of years old. And they're just, and still have some degree of animation. Either way, it ain't right. Yeah. I mean, but I'm with you. I think there's a case you could make that there's a lot of just at that point, uh, psychosis or, um, you know, some sort of, some sort of mental influence is, is radiating from the beast and affecting the, you know, anyone in its orbit or whatever. But I also think when he sets fire to one of them, the fact that it shows it responsive to me, that signals, okay, these are actual at some step in what uh, 0.01% of life remains for them. They're still there, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Haunting. Any other final sort of that it writes for you? No, no, nothing, nothing worth spending any time on. I mean, I'm eager to get to some more of the, 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 substantive elements of this. I started to say meat and I just didn't want to say meat. Yeah. <laughs> nope. um, that has been the part of the show where we talk about things that aren't just wrong, but of which might be said for the last time. The almost last time. Cause we're going to do it again next week in 2022. Mm. That mm. ain't right. That sure as hell ain't right. That ain't right, that ain't right. No, 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 that ain't right. That's my Andrew Nelson. Shout out that's to great. Andrew Nelson. Yeah. That's, that's wonderful. I can't sing, but I I'll, got soul. I'll I'll leave that in so that he knows that you Please that do. You I would shout it out. Desired no less. Yeah. Um, um Yeah, do it, Reed. So Tell me. me. Okay. All right. So here's the thing that stood out to me this time around that I was not cognizant of the first time. Are you time doing around. the disconnect now? Or are you Yes. Okay. Yes. Um you talked about, and I'm going to connect a couple of dots. You talked about, so the most viscerally affecting elements emotionally of this film are that opening scene where their friend dies. I need to look up their friend's name because I wrote the four key players down. Mm-hmm. Is their friend Robert? Their friend is Robert. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when Robert dies, that is a really affecting scene. But of course, it has created a rift, particularly Dom calls it out and then the rest of them are kind of trying to tiptoe in different ways around different things and um you know he calls it out not a drop of blood on you and and i think what begins to get under my skin about this is that luke is on a journey to have to confront his own cowardice and if i had you know a question to offer to you, and maybe I will still offer it, so be thinking about this because it was one of the questions that I was interrogating of, of myself as well, is how do you 
cope with your own cowardice, not just how you face your fears. How do you cope with the times where you knew you should have, could have, wish you would have been brave, but weren't? And maybe something somewhat bad happened in the wake of all of that. And how do you confront that within yourself? And for me, the disconnect this time around is I don't feel at the moment that the narrative makes Luke face that. He gets out of the situation again, but largely he gets out of it by sort of blasting his way through these disarmingly nonviolent, uh, yeah. you know, tribesmen, you know, um, tribes folk, right? tribes folk. Yes. Cause they're, they're not all men. Uh, gender's a construct. And so like they, um, <laughs> really <laughs> so, nice top of 2022 callback right there. I you, caught that reference. You are welcome. Um, but, the, the 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 thing about it is that when he finally confronts the beast and, and the beast actually like they have an altercation he the, you know the beast like knocks him over at one point and he's trying but he eventually succeeds by sort of just running out of the woods yep. by just sort of making it out of the woods and I had the feeling this time around that I was like wow yeah he never he never really did he did what Dom asked him to do he burned it to the ground and then he survived and he lived and that's not nothing. And I'm not dismissing that the film directly calls out that Dom, who once, you know, called him out and said, not a drop of blood on you and took him to task for his own cowardice, then compels him to destroy this thing and, and break free. And he does accomplish that. To me, the disconnect felt like it never really seemed like he got to a place where he was able to, to pivot in any way to a resolution on Robert's death. He did not act when the time came to try to do something about the peril that Robert was in. And as a result, Robert died. Now, something that I was thinking about when I watched the film is I do get confronted with this all the time in my own imagination. Uh, life doesn't confront me with it. People and friends don't confront me with it. I just think about what will I do if situation arises here or here or here. I'm generally uh, try to be a nice guy in the world, but have been around when tensions are escalating between individuals in front of me. Uh, maybe, you know, an argument breaking out at the grocery store or some sort of thing, just like, you know, a traffic altercation or something where people begin to get heated. And it does make me ask of myself, like, how would I act in a situation where something was getting a bit out of hand. And the truth is, I don't know. I really don't know. But I don't feel entirely that this film does the work of making Luke have Closing a satisfactory, yeah, have a satisfactory like coming to it. Because again, he burns it down and he survives. But he survives because he kind of just like ran fast enough. Right. And, and to me... That does not feel like the kind of, and then just, you know, roars back at the woods and then moves on about his way. To me, that didn't feel satisfactory. That didn't feel complete to me this time around. And, uh, and, and it got to me in the sense that I was tracking more specifically. He is multiple times. His visions, when he sees nightmares and dreams and everything, his visions are of that scene in the bodega right. of that the 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 fluorescent lights and he's right back there with Robert 
So it felt to me like the movie was continually wanting me to remember that he was wrestling with all these things. Right. Which made it all the more disappointing to me that they didn't in my opinion stick the landing on his emotional journey for that story and to me that was my biggest i I wanted to cite it because like i felt like that was the you talk about the the sum of its parts it's genuinely frightening it is a you can't say that about every horror film even the ones that we cover it's genuinely frightening um and it's got horrific imagery and it's suspenseful and it's unnerving and pretty sustained suspense for like an hour so it's well, genuinely unnerving, but yeah, go ahead. Can I drink? Have to go ahead and drink. I'm sharing. Here's here's your here's your glass. This is this um, imagery is uh, uncomfortable. Uh, yeah, it's, no, I'm just kidding. We're gonna abandon it. Um, it's getting. Well, I tired. think there's two things. One is exactly what you identified, and I think pushed to the wall. I would have uh, articulated exactly the same, which is just. Mm when you're inciting incident is the inaction of a yeah. character that propels them into emotional trauma. Okay. Well, that's, that is the line. Like you, mm-hmm. you, you have to follow that line, which means right where that line ends has to be satisfactory. I do yes. think the other challenge of a narrative like this, it's not this film's fault except for the fact that it chooses to be the type of film it is, which is the first viewing I succumbed to this more. The second viewing, I actually do think I was able to enjoy the the character dynamics more, but the architecture of this type of story means much of the film I'm thinking about, will you deliver on what you're teasing mm. in terms of the monster, the creature, whatever it might be. Right. And so, someone's mileage may vary on just how effective that becomes. But the problem sure. inherent there is simply I'm thinking about that a lot. Right. Like I'm, I'm I want to, from a craft standpoint, you want me to be on board with these people, but I'm yeah. also really pondering, well, what, what are they encountering and will it work? Yeah. I mean, that's literally what you're trying to suss out. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. so, I do think ultimately the design of the creature is great, but to your point, he gets away pretty easily. Um, yeah. Ultimately kind of outruns this. So I'm going to pitch this sort of idea to you as it's coming to me, which is, you know, instead of losing Phil, when they do, what if all three of them make it in, uh, Mm -hmm. Phil, Phil, we lose Hutch, uh, but Phil, Dom and Luke all make it into the village. The little, yeah. I mean, village is even too big a word. Um, uh, uh, the the church, the chapel, whatever you want to call it. Let Phil serve the role that Dom serves currently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, then, because Luke and Dom are the ones who've had the big blow up, like it's all about. Because one thing I will pat on the back, they the the stepping stones are there. Uh, for mm-hmm. potential to resolve the emotional arc. I actually love, and at least this is how I chose to view them. I love when Hutch speaks to Luke about getting away. It's effectively yeah. him absolving. You're, you're the strongest. We're not going to make it. You go in the morning. First thing in the morning, right. you go. Right. Well, mm-hmm. then I'm sure you remember this. Um, Dom encourages Luke to leave. Like these two who have been the most embittered uh, based on the fallout, emotional fallout, 
Dom, mm-hmm. th- there's some some pieces being made. Dom and Curtis mm-hmm. him, don't stay for me. So right. to me, those puzzle pieces are there. Those stepping stones are there. So in my sort of refashioned version of this narrative, Luke, Dom, and Phil all make it in. Phil is the first sacrifice uh, to the beast. Mm. Dom is next in the line. You've effectively now recreated the bodega. Correct. Yes. Which is Mm -hmm. Dom and Luke were at odds because of what happened to Rob. So Luke gets the opportunity to redeem Mm -hmm. himself because for better, like on the one hand, I don't love the tidiness of that. On the other hand, you've, you've engineered me to expect it and to kind of want Mm -hmm. it um, Mm -hmm. based on that opening scene, because I'm with you. Like, survivor's guilt is a real thing. I think it's an appropriate path and, and sort of emotional arc to sort of bake in at the front end. But yeah, but that's what happens at the end is just, Oh, well, uh, will he have that much more compounded survivor's guilt now? Or is he okay? I I really don't know. (laughs) And I, because of how it starts, I kind of need to know, I need to know something. Um, and, and for better or worse, the need to know is, is, tie off the bow of let him mm-hmm. save a friend now let him and the two of them if they're going to get away that's fine but make it yeah because he's overcome this internal hurdle um, yeah because because ultimately read the movie is just a metaphor for overcoming <laughs> kind of <laughs> guilt right i mean yeah it's yeah and confronting Well, yeah, like I said, like confronting your own cowardly tendencies and the ways in which you had an opportunity to at the very least be brave and chose not to be for whatever. I mean, it's understandable. Like, here's the other thing is that like, while I'm, I absolutely don't want, you said this in a better way than I'm about to repeat it, but early on you do feel like, yeah, I don't know what I would do in that situation. I don't know what I want Luke to do. I just don't want Robert to die. I don't want Robert to be hurt. Um, but no, I don't know. I don't know if it would make things better if he burst out from around right. the thing. What's what's he going to do? What's it, chuck a bottle of something at their head? They've got weapons, you know. Like what what's he going to do? And so to that end, it is um, it is upsetting, and it is worth reflecting on. Like how would you respond in a situation like that? Because we all want to. I think most of us want to believe this is the this is the tricky part. I want to believe and maybe most of us would that I would know the right thing to do and have the courage to do it. The reality is in most situations I don't know step 1. I don't know what the right thing to do is. Like do I confront it? Do I charge them? Do I, you know, I don't have Liam Neeson's certain set of skills. I don't have, you know, like, it's like, I don't, and I'm being a little jokey there, but like, I sincerely don't like, I don't know. I don't know if I will do this thing and then outcome will be beneficial to all concerned. I could be making things worse. I could, you know, be acting instead of, you know, it's the easy punching bag when you see characters in films. Like if you get, an action hero, you get a, you know, you get a Clint Eastwood, you get a, a Sylvester Stallone in an action film, and the characters around them choose you, to be brave to and kind of barge your, in. You need to update your action hero references, <laughs> your action star references. For life, 
sure. for life. No, that's um, fine. They, they can still <laughs> exist. I'm just saying, like, you suddenly sounded yeah. like a 55-year-old and not a 42-year-old. <laughs> Whoa. He was, now he you was sound like an 85-year-old. <laughs> we are bouncing all over the chronological it's, spectrum right now. <laughs> listen, it's it's a it, 2022 has been a been a hell a of a doozy year. of um, a day. <laughs> been a doozy of a day. Um, no, my point being, you we've also seen the action films where the star of the film, who always knows the right thing to do, knows when to hold back, and some impetuous person just trying to act runs out and gets obliterated. And then we all look at that moment like, oh, you stupid guy, you went out, you ran out when you weren't supposed to. And the whole point I'm trying to make by saying this is I would love to know that I would recognize in a situation what was right to do and have the courage to do it. I honestly think, trying to be self-aware here, I honestly think that where I get hung up is not knowing what the right thing to do is. I think I have the courage to do the right thing, even if the right thing might be painful, even if the right thing might be uncomfortable, even if the right thing might be a bit dangerous. The problem I run into is I don't always know what the right thing to do is in the sense of what will produce the beneficial action. I can choose solidarity. Yeah, let me run out from behind this counter and maybe, in in the language of the film, let me run out from behind this counter and maybe die with Robert. Sure. But I don't know that that's the right thing to do. I don't know that that will help. And I'm just kind of exploring in this moment, like, yeah, that that I don't always know the right thing to do. Can I speak? Can I speak? Here's it. Yeah. I feel like that. there's a, there's a Dana Carvey. I think it was him being Dana Quayle <laughs> that always comes to mind. Can I speak? Wow. Um, okay. That, speaking of old man references. Um, Newsflash. So, uh, speak for yourself. Um, I want to fold in the cheese. And by the cheese, I mean another thematic concept that goes in tandem with you. Because the problem with what you're asking right now isn't that it doesn't merit asking. It's for better or worse. Uh, this is, it's all elevated, right? It's like heightened, uh, drama, mm-hmm. not necessarily rooted in the everyday and the relatable. So yeah, uh, Luke's choice is the proverbial gun to your head, right? It's like, well, mm-hmm. but the problem, <clears throat> excuse me, the problem with that mental exercise is what if I never have a gun to my head? And so thus the heightened nature of the, the demand of the choice is never visited on me. So the problem is now I've created an, an improbable scenario that doesn't require me really to change or to adjust behavior to adapt to the next right thing. Right. Um, and, one thing I do want to fold into this is Phil's Phil actually really stood out to me in this viewing Mm. because something he, something, his experience in the nightmare scenario, which is probably the most devastating to your point. Yeah. The thing he keeps saying the remaining amount of time he's in the movie is I'd have never done that. Mm. And I don't have a conclusion for the big ideas I'm about to introduce, but I think there can be a world in which like, um, I'm not spoiler alert, a total depravity head. Cause I don't, cause I think it kind of robs me of sober minded self-awareness, which is a Phil statement. I'd have never done that. 
I'm, yeah. picking, I'm picking on the theological concept. Total t- depravity would say, well, yes, you would, because you're just predisposed to do all the wrong things. Like, well, yes, that's kind of a unfair and slippery slope and, and kind of denies uh, what I would say are some certain truths and realities. But the point being, I think what's fascinating is I do think there's a degree to which we can know ourselves enough to kind of recognize some, something has influenced me mm-hmm. that it doesn't absolve. Like, I don't think Phil's even saying, um, what I did wasn't wrong. He's saying, Oh my God, mm-hmm. there is in this case, otherworldly influence, but mm-hmm. dial it back. Like the ability to be, to say, I, I'd have, I'd have never done that. And I, and I think we live in a pretty cynical time where we want to roll our eyes at the person who says that, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and disbelieve them or think, well, sure. Okay. Guy, you know, whatever. But, but I'm trying to entwine these notions you're trying to put forth of like that moment of cowardice. Like, mm-hmm. I think, um, I will, I suppose continued references reference it, but again, that comp of speak no evil, the entire movie is about the entire movie is, is instead of gun to your head, here's this tiny choice Mm. unintentionally, Mm. but because of understandable reasons, you keep making the wrong one. Yeah. Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's the idea. And so that's why these things are kind of speaking to each other. Um, you know, whether someone's seen that movie or not, doesn't totally matter to the point of the thematic ideas at play. But I think what's fascinating about the ritual is this. I'd have never done that. I mean, it's, it's what Luke wants to say of himself. Right. Of course. Well, but you did. And Mm -hmm. so, that sense, that learning, that evolution, that self-evolution of, you know, self-forgiveness of, Mm -hmm. um, of the tiny things and the giant things of asking for forgiveness. Like I I do think ultimately I like the ritual. Um, I do think what keeps Mm -hmm. me from, from true kind of like, man, this is a great movie is, is the thematic and emotional, boulders it puts on the path it walks mm-hmm. around um which yeah. which actually sounds real slighting i don't totally mean it to i think you get kind of lost in the weeds a little bit and you end up with no the movie you got and so <laughs> you know like yeah i don't totally know what the exact solution is at that point um especially if those things aren't yeah. super super evident um but but yeah well, i go ahead well, all I was going to say is just pointing out we had a comparable conversation about the Nighthouse, also directed by David Bruckner, mm. and it does raise questions to me of that kind of like because that's that's the way the Nighthouse felt as well in many ways. Like it's wrestling with some big ideas, it's tossing some big things out here. The one thing that I will say is I feel like the ritual is far less confused narratively and thematically than I felt the Nighthouse was. I think the ritual just doesn't. But it's so direct. Yeah. I mean. Right. Yeah. It's it, it's also a much more straight line. But I do. I One thing that I want to say before I forget about it, you talk about the whole like I never would have done that. I mean, I've heard it. I've never been hypnotized that I'm aware of, but I have heard nearly every hypnotist who has done public performances and everything say you cannot make someone do something they would not do in the real world. In other words, 
if the, if if you have hypnotized them and you say, okay, I want you to go over and slap that person for you know n- no reason whatsoever, they will not do that, no matter how strong your hypnotic suggestion is, unless they are prone to that kind of violence or that kind of erratic reaction. So they won't do that. Um, I do think there's a way in which there is some truth to the notion that there are certain bridges we won't cross. Some of that is ethics. I think some of it is fear. I think there is a reality to the moral center that many people have that says, I cannot treat another human being that way. I think that's real. I think that's substantive. Sometimes it's rooted in faith. Sometimes it's rooted in personality. Sometimes it's rooted in all of the above and and, and, and all of these kinds of things. But I also think sometimes there are certain lines we wouldn't cross or places we wouldn't go with our choices, not only out of an ethical obligation, but also a little bit out of like fear holds us back. And we're unwilling to test our own boundaries in some of those cases. And uh, not for nothing, that's a part of the role the emotion of fear is supposed to play in our hearts and in our minds psychologically, is that we are supposed to be afraid of danger so that we do not come to harm. That is a very natural thing. And we are meant to confront our fears so that we can overcome dangers and so that we can grow and so that we can recognize when perceived dangers are not really threats of harm. Um, so we're supposed to confront those kind of things, but that's, that's part of, it's all part of the natural process to things. And I feel like this notion that all of us want, I keep saying all of us as if every person thinks about this the same way. I know that's not true. It's just a broad generalization. I'll use myself. I would like to think that I would always make a heroic right or good choice. A film like this, though I think it does not uh, properly tie off its narrative interests or its thematic interests. It, it properly ties off its narrative interests. It doesn't tie off its thematic ones. But it does put me to mind to think of, like, I may not always make the heroic choice. I may not always make the good choice. And um, I, sh- I should, to a certain degree, be mindful of the safety net I cast over myself that says I would never. Like, it's, it's, it's worth consideration in the interests of self-awareness to, to interrogate your perceptions of your own boundaries and your perceptions of your limits to how far you'd be willing to go and uh, how brave you were willing to be, how strong you consider yourself to be. Um, and that, I think, is, is something that this film does more effectively. It just, it, it, at least it raises the questions effectively. Uh, I just wish it resolved in, I like your resolution. Um, I just it resolved, wish it resolved in any other way than just him being a bit faster than the beast that was chasing him. <laughs> I just, right. that's, yes, I, I, that, that feels, feels profoundly easy. Um, and, uh, and so that's, that's the, the one thing that I wish he had come to a little bit more of a, of an emotional choice. And, um, but, but maybe, maybe my final thing that I'll say about it, this film did give me an opportunity this time around to ask of myself, uh, it, it, 
revealed to me that it was probably important for me to be generous to myself in the times where I didn't make the brave choice. Right. Um, and, and, and should have, uh, and to forgive myself for those options that, that in that moment I could have made a braver choice and didn't. Okay. Fair enough. Um, but also to just be self-aware enough to know like, yeah, I'm, I'm not always going to, I'm not always going to make the right choice. And again, I'll go, I'll go back to, I'm not, I'm not always going to even know what the right choice would be, let alone how to make it or how to get there. Um, so you're, you're not uh, so yeah. saying this, but while I hear the the sort of alternate angles being brought on Phil's self assessment, I also think there's a world where I mean we're all capable of pretty terrible things, and it's in mm-hmm. part the social systems, the interior systems, the ethical moral paradigms we've placed ourselves in that sort of maintain our 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 guardrails you know um of course at the same time i do think there's a degree to which i just want to be forgiving of in this case phil but of human case self of peer like i've never done that you weren't saying this but i think the step there isn't well, I think you did. <laughs> no, of you know, course. Yeah, yeah. And turns out, <laughs> um, because I think insofar as is humanly possible and or superhumanly so to abandon where, where feasible and uh, available cynicism says, I know, <laughs> I know. Mm-hmm. And like, let's, let's take these next steps. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think I'm not trying to take the easy path to out of the conversation and, and uh, follow that metaphor in terms of out of the woods. But like, <laughs> I really enjoy the the character dynamics between these guys. I love the cinematography. I think it's gorgeous. Absolutely. Um, I I like the revelation of this religious sect worshiping this mm-hmm. i did do a little research this this thing is from jotunheim which is oh it's norse, it's norse. land of the giants yeah. yes mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. you know I, I like all of those things i kind of wish i wish it punched harder at the end um mm-hmm. instead of what kind of feels like happens is that punch gets pulled back yes i agree i would almost have rather uh, i know this is a bleak ending i would almost have rather none of them survived uh, or to your point that like a different one than Luke survive. Um, or because another Luke- alternate that just entered my brain as you're saying that to your point, this imagery of the bodega recurs for him and recurs for him. Mm-hmm. Have him Dom gets gone, play it out basically the same way it does. Phil gets gone in the woods. Dom gets gone where he gets gone. Uh, Luke thinks he's getting away suddenly is once more in the bodega. He goes and takes the blow in oh, his image. Yes. And the and taking the, of the blow is really in reality, the beast taking him. Like, I like that a lot. That yeah. Kind of like that a too. lot. And, and if that were to be the case, that would have made for some really compelling, uh, 
resonances in terms it, it just gives you a lot more to think about uh if that had been the case now we're keep you know i love it i love this exercise i invited it um but uh you know the film we have is not the film we're imagining but i do agree that like i do think those kind of things would have been um stronger because and it's part of it is because this may be my last time i emphasize it part of it is because i do feel like the film does a lot of good work putting those seeds out there in ways that don't beat you over the head that just because they are obvious doesn't mean they're pandering it's baked into the narrative it's very naturalistic you keep citing and praising the dynamic between these four guys i absolutely agree i think the character work here is strong both from a performance level and a script level which yeah. is why i feel like it should have had a better payoff to some of the the rich interior that they were dealing with at, at, well, in um in that kind of idea I'm, I may accidentally just take us back up into the atmosphere here. Mm. Why call it the ritual? Because if it's as easy as, well, they stumble on this religious cult, to me, that that then explains the easy out. Like, well, mm. you know, okay. All you've really done is just said, there's this kind of wackadoo stuff going on out in this one yeah. particular part of the, the you know, mountainside so because that i kept wrestling with that it was like okay if 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 what you want is some metaphorical whatever here what is the ritual is the ritual their act of going on some journey is the ritual right, right. the strictures we put on ourselves to mm -hmm. contain ourselves you know I, yeah and, and maybe i'm asking the wrong question because i don't know that there's a super compelling answer for me right now well, but I think too to your point where I went when you said why call it the ritual. Um, ritual has the connotation of religious sentiment, uh, something that is viewed a bit more, um, you know, sacred or it's 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 higher minded to the people who engage in it. But ultimately, what do we also talk about? We talk about morning rituals where it's just like. You know, I, I get up, sure. I do this yeah. next, and then I do this next thing. So it could be seen as habits and tendencies, which I do think is an interesting overlay when applied to this film. And again, it is the title and it is these characters of these characters tend to behave in this way early on in that dynamic. They, they, I, I'm, I'm struggling to remember specifics about it, but don't they have some interplay where they talk about each other's habitual natures to do certain things or to, uh, you know, Dom flubs out at a particular moment and can't keep going and, and there's all these different things. Uh, and, and so I'm, I'm not trying to be kitschy, uh, but perhaps trying to sort of, you know, ramp us into the fog meter maybe with something like this is that, you know, understanding the ways in which we have taken on certain habits and tendencies almost as a ritualistic thing. Uh, it doesn't have to be in the context in which I'm using it as a religious thing or a, um, you know, theological thing, but more just a habitual thing that we uh, probably would do ourselves a service to at least interrogate uh, if, if those rituals, those little, choices those tiny daily choices that when the time comes you know we've talked about on ash versus evil dead on the monster squad we hit on it a little bit this is kind of the reverse of that of like being confronted with the monsters and being confronted in the smaller ways then you are prepared when the big things come maybe the reverse is also true 
maybe the thousand tiny choices where you chose not to rise to the occasion when things were small means that you're not as positioned when a big choice sits before you to do the right thing because you haven't developed the habit, you haven't, forgive me, performed the ritual, the repetitive nature of preparing yourself for the big things. Um, The big things come, we can't avoid them. But in this conversation, in this moment, I'm extrapolating this as saying like the big choices that we make are really just the summation of the multitude of smaller choices, smaller similar choices that we made, either doing the right Right. thing or not in the smaller choices, that then when the big one comes, either we will find ourselves surprisingly equipped to cope with that moment or surprisingly ill-equipped to cope with that moment. Again, probably all rooted back to whatever daily, weekly, monthly, yearly rituals we have chosen to participate in on an ongoing basis with just how we navigate our lives. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I, I, I appreciate you calling out the title and the ways that that could, I agree with you. It's maybe it's just referring to these people in the woods. Cause they did say like your ritual is about to begin. And oh, yeah. But I, yeah, but I, mean, I, it's, I, I think it w- wants to be operating on a number of levels. Um, sure. But it's funny, the more I'm pondering this whole notion, the more I love the idea of Luke's mental bodega where he rises to the occasion to find himself just a victim of this ritual. Like, yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of compelling and interesting and fascinating because just the accumulation of individual rituals we've adopted have led them into this spider's web that, Mm -hmm. that kills Mm -hmm. them, you know? And, and in fact, unrelated to this literal conversation and trying to suss out theme. What I wrote is the rituals that kill us, you know? Is what I oh, wow. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's what I got. Mm. That's yeah. I, I I'm happy. I'm sincerely happy to kind of leave it there. I'm, I'm, I'm appreciative of being able to ponder the, the multitude of little rituals that take us into one direction or another. And, and to be mindful of such a thing is, uh, is perhaps a good note to, to end this conversation on. It won't end the full year because we got next week, but to end this series and to, and, uh, to go to the, you ready to go to the fog meter? You want to do it? I can do that. Okay. So, um, I can do that. One of uh, on the show, our little rituals is uh, we mm. go to the fog meter, nice. and uh, nice. that's uh, our very specific metric of fear in God, where we rate this material on its scares and its substance. So, uh, this film, directed by David Bruckner, uh, based on a book by Adam Neville. Side note: I did uh, just a tiny bit of research on this, and from my understanding, because I've never read the book, the Death of Robert in the beginning and the cowardice of Luke is not an element of the novel, as far as I was able to ascertain. Hmm. Uh, all the rest of it still so you is, could be but wrong. that I could be completely wrong. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but uh, yeah. So anyway, the the ritual directed by David Bruckner on fear. Look, this movie's legit. It's got great creature design. It's got some strong suspense. Plenty of that ain't right moments. I'm gonna I'm gonna be a bit generous. Um, for my sensibility of the film and give it an eight on the fear measurement. What say you? Um, I'm going to give it a seven. I agree with your reasoning. 
I think stronger thematic scaffolding would have really tightened up that sure that sure fear factor as it stands I'm with you like it's foreboding it's tense it's dreadful Mm -hmm. that five minute run where they're all discovering each other in this nightmare sequence it's oh lord terrible um yeah like very harrowing what this movie does do well is like you you buy in to their terror at what they're experiencing now absolutely um so what would you say for the god meter um, I'm going to be a little generous here and give it a five. Um, I okay. think, I think it, I think it even is thoughtful enough to know, to want to be mm-hmm. rich. I, I don't know. Cause I haven't read the text and I don't know what to your point that I joked with you about. I don't, because yes, when you add Rob's death, Luke's cowardice and survivor's guilt, what you've just done is created thematic yeah whereas if you remove that and it's just four or five friends hiking through the wilderness that stumble on this ritual that's a very different yeah thing so absolutely i think the work was done to try to front load theme i don't know that it really goes places it it's front loading earns um so, no, so yeah absolutely five. yep absolutely um you know, what's funny is I was hovering between a five or a six, even thought about maybe giving it a five and a half, but I think I'm going to join you on your five. I I can feel in the DNA of this film how much it wants to be about, and I feel like it kind of goes a long way in getting there. It just doesn't quite stick the landing for me. Um, and so, you know, that, that kind of makes me want to split the difference on the God meter and give it that five. Uh, that means that we give the ritual a six out of ten on – uh, the fog meter, absolutely solid. Uh, would you recommend it to people? I do. I, I think it's a yeah. good flick. Um, mm-hmm. It's scary. Good acting. Yes. Good mm-hmm. script. Haunting yeah. imagery. Yeah, that's good. Absolutely. It's it is profoundly uh, good at everything. I, I will say this: in everything that a horror film needs to be, it is no less than good. And occasionally, in some ways, it's great. Uh, so in that, that's my way of recommending it that it's like, yeah, it is in many, many ways and nearly always it's good. And in some aspects, uh, it rises to greatness. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's, I think it's an easy recommend if you've never seen it. Um, yeah, it's, it's readily available on Netflix and, um, you know, presumably indefinitely, but yeah, by all means you should go and check it out. It's got a strong cast and, um, yeah. And uh, wants to say thank you again to Jacob for having us suggesting that we cover it. Um, that concludes this batch of episodes for 2022. What batch? That of concludes the Fog of Wieners, mm. uh, Nathan Rouse. Mm. Um, and uh, we did have, you know, six or seven other suggestions that came through. Uh, during Fogaween, we will make uh, a deliberate and conscious attempt to get to those films as we can through the coming year. Um, maybe either as part of broader series, or maybe we'll do some interjections in between series or something. But um, you know, Fogaweener, if your um, selection did not get chosen, uh, have no fear uh, because we it is still on our radar. So we will work it in as we can when we can uh, as soon as possible. But uh, that puts this in the books. So next, next week, uh, 
there's no going back. Three now. zero zero. It's uh, it is three zero zero. Our three hundredth landmark episode. We have uh, the whole court of the quarterly queens are there. Um, we're going to have a couple of other special guests that are joining us for that conversation about a film that, uh, I have some degree of familiarity with, um, next week, uh, directed by Michael Bean, uh, written by Michael Bean based on mm. a story by somebody that, uh, maybe we know, I don't know, maybe, but, Tune in. um, Fogger. it is, yeah, it is the film called the victim next week. Um, and, uh, so yeah, listeners, Even if you don't check out the film, check out the episode. I I think you'll have a good time with it. Um, And uh, so, Nathan, thank you so much for enjoying this year with me again. We put another year in the books. We're going to take a few weeks off in January after after we go through the victim, and uh, and then we'll be back into it again. So, Foggers, don't forget to visit the poll. Vote on your favorite films of 2022 because it's going to influence our coverage for February when we return with regularly scheduled episodes. In the meantime, hope everybody has a very Merry Christmas. What a what a Christmas episode is the ritual. Um, Speaking of rituals. So, <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, so everybody have a very Merry Christmas and, uh, and, and have a happy holiday season uh, wherever you are, whatever family or friends that you are with. Um, and as we say on every episode, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom and not the end of the conversation. In that spirit, we encourage you to fear nothing else and be on your way rejoicing. We will see you next week. Nathan, thank you again. Thanks, listeners. See you guys. Bye. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. Start by visiting thefearofgodpodcast.com for links to our social media, essays, and episode archive merchandise and more. If you love what we do, please consider becoming a patron by visiting patreon.com slash thefearofgodpodcast. There you'll unlock exclusive bonus episodes, extended standard episodes, online event access, and so much more. We want to issue a special thanks to Jacob Hunt of TracerMatula.com for our artwork, also to our assortment of talented musicians, including Andrew Nelson, The Island Family, and Jackson Harper for our varied show tunes, and also to Lee Wright, who helped me, Reed Lackey, write our theme music. Special thanks also to Tyler Smith at MoreThanOneLesson.com. Lastly, be sure to subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice, and if you listen to us through Apple Podcasts, we would greatly appreciate a rating and a review. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Hi, everybody.